The Energy Matters to You podcast is a communication platform that features technologies and thought leaders working to advance energy efficiency. Energy Matters to You seeks to connect buyers with sellers so that practical, cost-effective energy efficiency and sustainable energy solutions continue to gain market traction. And now your hosts, Ron Galuli and Leo Ryan. Hello and welcome to Energy Matters to Leo Ryan here along with my colleague and co-host Ron Galuli. Ron, how are you doing? Great, Leo. And uh, I think in honor of Veterans Day, we do have to thank all our listeners out there that are veterans and have served our country. I can mention that I spent last weekend in Columbus, Georgia at Fort Benning, where my son, Luke, 25-year-old, is is in the Army National Guard, and he just finished up with basic training. So I get to, to see that up close and personal. He's got quite an experience for that young man. Right. I can't wait to hear uh, more about it. So Ron, tell us, we've got this connection going with AEE, and, I, and you were at the last meeting. What uh, what'd you learn at that meeting? Yeah, actually, the last meeting was this past Wednesday. We had a good turnout. Um, the discussion was fuel prices this winter in New England, gas and electricity. Rich Costello did a great presentation explaining, I guess, the quagmire of public policy issues associated with getting more gas to this area, the lack of pipelines, the Jones Act, you need to be able to ship LNG from one U.S. port to another U.S. port on a U.S.-owned ship. There are no LNG tankers in the United States. So here we are in New England facing record high gas prices. And, you know, when we look and talk about public policy, I think our next guest may talk a little bit about policies and some technologies that may help mitigate some of these high prices. We see that the policy not catching up to technology is a problem in all kinds of sectors. I know you and I have both bumped into that along our professional careers. So um, Ron, I was thinking about uh, vehicles themselves and, uh, and cars and uh, the, uh, the, the challenges. I was, I was in an Uber ride today where the gentleman was in a Chevy Bolt and he was talking to me about, uh, about how much he liked the car. But uh, you know, one of his challenges was finding sufficient number of charging stations so that in the course of his Uber day, he could charge during the day. And I know that's something that the utilities have been pushing hard on, but continually that uh, communities just don't have enough quick charging stations to satisfy a small number of electric vehicles. If that grows, we're in, we're in real trouble as communities. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, when I, times I do watch TV, I'd see more and more electric vehicle commercials, but the infrastructure hasn't really caught up. And in fact, we had some friends over Saturday night and they referenced, they rented a Tesla and some of the range anxiety they were having while driving that Tesla uh, on their trip. Beautiful. Well, we're going to get some, some, some download on this. We've got a, a guest to the president and CEO of Fermata Energy. David, would you come on and introduce yourself and, and your role at Fermata? Uh, sure. So first of all, thank you, uh, Leo and Ron, for, uh, for letting me join the fund today. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Fermata Energy, and it is basically a vehicle-to-grid services provider. Vehicle to good knows do, what that means. Yeah. Do they, do they have a fancy acronym for that? V2X is what we call it because it's really vehicle to grid, vehicle to home, vehicle to building, vehicle to lots of things. And so it's really about enabling an electric vehicle to provide value to various customers that are grid facing customers. And what's interesting is that when you do that, the vehicle can earn money. And that starts to make the electric vehicle cost competitive. In fact, much more cost competitive with uh, an internal combustion engine vehicle than most people realize. 
Beautiful. We're going to get deep on that, but uh, David, I'm curious to know about uh, about your path and and what led you to to launch from out of energy. Well, I've got a, a storied past, which I'll spare you. I mean, I've done lots of different things uh, in a different space, but most everything I've done has centered around uh, a pretty personal commitment to uh, to the environment and particularly an interest in climate change. And the specific reasons I started the company, there were two. I had two intentions in mind. One was to accelerate the adoption of electric vehicles, because I think that's important for geopolitical strategic reasons, but certainly for climate reasons. And the second intention was to accelerate the transition to renewables on the grid as the primary source of uh, energy generation. And those two intentions intersect very nicely at vehicle to grid or V to X technology. Beautiful. And, uh, and, and tell us specifically, what does Fermata do? So if you have a parked electric vehicle, which you do most of the time, uh, people buy vehicles because they want to, uh, they want some mobility function from that vehicle. So they buy it so they can drive it sometimes, but most of the times they park it. Most EVs are actually parked, you know, 90 some odd percent of the time. Even fleet vehicles are typically parked uh, about 75% of the time. So those vehicles, while they're parked, are doing nothing. But if they can earn money, that gets really interesting very quickly. And what can they be doing? A, a traditional vehicle is a, is, is a one-use vehicle. It's mobility. That's what it's good for. It's all it's good for. An electric vehicle is very interesting because it has energy stored under the hood. That energy can be sold in different market situations to earn money for the vehicle owner. And that's how the, the, the technology enables the vehicle to get cheaper. The other thing it does is it addresses the second intention that I had in starting the company, which is to accelerate the adoption of renewables on the grid. The single biggest obstacle to scaling wind and solar as the source of power generation is the intermittence in the generation. You know, you can only generate electrons when the wind's blowing and the sun's shining. That doesn't always match with what customers need for when they need electrons. That's what load is about. If, so you need massive energy storage designed into the power grid to be able to handle scaled deployment of renewables. So you can generate the electrons, store them, and then when they're needed, you can pull them down and use them. So the governments of California and the US and some states have spent billions of dollars subsidizing the scaled deployment of stationary storage for a good number of years. There have been mandates imposed to build out that that industry in the entire industry. Well, last time I looked at the numbers was in 2020. It had about four gigawatt hours of dispatchable capacity. That's what the storage industry had. Just the Nissan Leaf, since it became bidirectional, meaning it could do discharge of energy into the grid, uh, since it became bidirectional 10 years ago, you know that's a great car. But you know Nissan sells maybe 15,000 Leafs in a good year. They sell 200,000 Sentras by comparison. So it's not a wildly selling car, but for an EV, it's been very successful. But just that group of vehicles has more storage under the hood than the entire stationary storage industry. The, the, the stability of the grid as we transition to renewables is absolutely going to have to come from electric vehicles. And that's a good thing because as you noted in your introductions, People are starting to pay attention to electric vehicles. They're starting to buy them. As we get more and more electric vehicles out there, if all they can do is charge, that means they just add more strain to the grid 
because the grid has to generate electrons to satisfy that load. But if they can also discharge at critical times when the system is struggling to keep up with demand, now those vehicles become an asset to the grid instead of just an additional burden. So it's going to be interesting to watch how EVs you know, get out into the mainstream in large numbers and how we pivot away from single directional charging into bi-directional charging so that those vehicles can not be just problems, but can be assets to the grid. And in doing so, we now create this massive storage reservoir to enable the transition to renewables on the grid. It's a fascinating um, yeah. technology. Ron, as uh, David's talking, I'm thinking about that section of your career where you were wrestling to get transmission lines through neighborhoods and communities that didn't want them and how, how elegant this solution is as an alternative to, to getting power moving both ways. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If you think about certain times of the year, like in the summer, summer now the peak is say around 6 p.m. It used to be around 2 p.m. because of all the solar. Most people are home from work at that time and a lot of people working from home and you could simply discharge all those batteries. And when you put it into the context of the Nissan LEAF having a larger amount of storage than stationary storage, you don't see many of those around. So the magnitude you're or potential out there seems unbelievable as far as being able to support the grid if this technology expands, as well as the vehicles be having the capability to have bi-directional charging. You raise a re relevant point. Think of it this way. Stationary storage, you have to pay for the batteries. It's got a significant CapEx, as they call it. Electric vehicles, the battery's paid for by the mobility use of the vehicle. It comes free with the leather seats and the air conditioning, if you will. The, there are two costs. You have to, if you're going to use the vehicle battery for, for vehicle-to-grid activities to stabilize the grid and provide storage, it, you, you get the batteries for free because they're paid for by mobility, but you do have to protect the customer's appetite for, I need that car when I need it, and I need to have enough juice in it to satisfy my mobility requirements. In addition to that, there's another cost. It's not monetary, but it's real. And that's that the car makers, the OEMs, are on the hook for eight years and 100,000 miles of warranty on that battery. So they design those batteries with mobility in mind and a lot of parking time. So now all of a sudden, if those vehicles are being used for vehicle to grid services, you have to respect the battery degradation concerns of the vehicle manufacturer and work with them to get them comfortable. And they will never let you touch their battery without voiding the warranty. It was actually significant in September this year, Nissan announced the first Nissan approved bi-directional charging system. And that was our uh, charger and our software platform. We've gone through that gauntlet. We've made Nissan comfortable that we can manage what we do in a way that protects their batteries. And so they've given us the permission slip to operate and not void their warranty. And we're the only ones that right now can say that. There will be others without question, but this technology does have its challenges to get scale implementation, but it's going to be very important when it does uh, get out there at scale, which will start, frankly, in 2023. So, David, let's, what, what you're describing is it's really a disruptive approach to, to transportation, to energy distribution, and I'm wondering about how the revenue model, the business model that Fermata sits in might be, might be perceived by, by the utilities, by the oil companies, by the auto manufacturers. Can you talk about what, how, you, how you see those incumbents 
maybe resisting or maybe partnering with, uh, with the solutions that you're providing? Initially, it's resistance till they understand the technology, and then it's quickly an embrace. And we have partnerships with most of the major OEMs, the car companies, and we are developing partnerships with utilities across the country. We have about half of our chargers currently deployed with utilities with our utility partner program. That's so they can kind of, pun intended, kick the tires on the technology and get to understand it better. But they already know that they have serious load management challenges. Think of California where Diablo Canyon is offline and there's you know unprecedented drought, which has led to a curtailment of hydro generation. And at the same time, load is growing in California. So how do those folks, how do those utilities address their sort of crisis circumstance? They could try to pour a lot of money into building out more stationary storage, but that's expensive. If they enable and incentivize bi-directional charging, the access to electric vehicle batteries, that come free with the leather seats and the air conditioning, that's a much better um, outcome for the utility. So utilities in California and the Northeast, where they have a lot of grid pain, are already really pushing for vehicle to grid. And we've, we've been able to participate, for example, last summer, uh, National Grid up in uh, Rhode Island has a summer demand response program. And we parked a Nissan Leaf and one of our chargers, it was a, a fleet customer in Burrowville, uh, Rhode Island, uh, introduced by Electric Frog. It was their vehicle and they deployed it. They're our, our partner for that project. They deployed it. And for the summer demand response program, we discharged the leaf into the grid. It's a 10-week program, Last, uh, not this past summer, but the summer before. They had 27 events over nine weeks of that summer program. Total of 57 hours of the utility saying, please discharge your vehicle into the grid. And that vehicle earned $4,200 for those events. That, that's You're talking free car type yeah. of money. There's a project we deployed a LEAF in Boulder, Colorado, the city of Boulder, very uh, proactive in the electric vehicle space. They have a LEAF in their fleet, put one of our chargers in. And what we're doing there is managing their building load in the building where the, char- the car is parked so that when the, when the building's load peaks at the end of the month or in the middle of the month, whenever the hottest day typically is, they get an extra charge from the utility. It's called a demand charge. So we track the building load at very granular levels. We have forecasting functionality. So we know when the building load is likely to peak and we just coordinate with the drivers to make sure the vehicle's available when the building load's going to peak two or three times a month for maybe a half an hour or so. And then we discharge into the building load behind the meter so that the building isn't drawing that extra current you know, from the, the utility meter. And so it saves them a lot of money. And I think Boulder's issued a press release that they've been earning on average $270 in electric bill reductions a month since we've deployed. Again, that's not unlike the cost of the lease of the LEAF. Yeah. So, and, and that's without utility demand response programs. That's the other thing is with this technology, there are different value streams, if you will, that can be extracted from the vehicle and presented to different customers and, and they can be stacked. And we optimize those with our software platform and we forecast so that we're very efficient at responding to them. We don't ever demand that the car be present. The vehicle mobility user controls the vehicle, but we let them know. We give them information. We say, look, tomorrow at two o'clock, it's up to you. You can drive the car or you can leave it parked for an hour. If you leave it parked, you'll probably make about $112. 
but it's your decision. And, you know, they, if they can, they clearly want to make the money. So it's, it's really interesting to see how this technology is starting to get deployed. But there are people across the country that are basically earning, you know, thousands of dollars per year with a Nissan Leaf and a 15 kW charger, which is I love it. quite remarkable. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. You know, before we get started, David, I told you we try to keep these to 20 minutes, and I am completely fascinated by what we're doing. We're, we're coming up on the 20-minute mark. Clearly, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of, of depth and more information. If somebody wanted to, to do a deeper dive on Fermata and your solution and this um, Avito X kind of community, where, where could they go? Can you, can you suggest some, some resources? Um, well, certainly our website uh, has some information posted on it. We, we're, we're actually redoing our website later this month, and we're going to have a lot of you know, uh, Q&A type stuff on it, FAQs, whatever you want to call them. There isn't a, an enormous body of, of knowledge out there about vehicle to X. Fermata is certainly you know, among, if not the leader globally in, in actually executing and implementing this technology. You know, we're making thousands of dollars across the country as a, a unique statement, but I think you'll see a lot more of it in, in trade press over the coming months. We've been at a couple of conferences lately, and it's what people are talking about. It's yeah. vehicle to grid, vehicle to X. They think of it typically in terms of school buses, because that's where they read about most. But it's interesting that the school buses are struggling to make money, and there are reasons for that. Eventually, they're gonna, we'll be able to sort that out, and we will be making a lot of money with school buses. But passenger vehicles, fleet vehicles, you know, even garbage trucks and, and, and big uh, over-the-road hauls, Callers all have the ability to make significant money with this technology. So I think you'll see it becoming kind of mainstream. But in terms of today, available information, uh, I did a podcast, which you guys might share with your your, uh, listeners. And then there's our website. Those are two data sources that are probably pretty good. Great. Ron, anything you else wanted to tag on or ask? Yeah. The only thing I wanted to add is um, there's a bit of a common theme here, Leo, with some of our guests where We've had guests that use data analytics to help manage the grid. In your case, it seems like here's a hardware solution, but also a data analytics solution where the customer can be the driver to be able to determine when they can participate and help the grid out. But they'll have data and they'll make decisions based on that data. We are a software and data company. Uh, We're agnostic as to vehicle. And even though we did get the first uh, UL approved bidirectional residential, or not residential, sorry, we did get the first bidirectional UL approved chargers um, out there into the wild, we don't want to be making chargers. We're working with other charger companies that actually that's what they do for a living. Our business is providing a, a software platform where we analyze all the opportunities, we optimize them, and through forecasting and other data tools, we optimize and we forecast so that we get the maximum economic gain for the participants. Outstanding. Outstanding. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So this has been uh, David Slutsky, president, founder, and of, uh, CEO of Fomata Energy. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here on Energy Matters to you. It's a pleasure having you. Uh, Ron and Leo, thank you guys for sharing this information with your listeners. It's great for the public to get informed about these interesting emerging technologies and you guys do a great service for that. So thank you. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. So on behalf of Energy Matters to you, Ron Galuli and Leo Ryan signing off. There's work to be done. Go make a difference. Support for Energy Matters to you comes from Rise Engineering, Raytheon, Mechanical Insulation Solutions Network, AHA Consulting Engineers, GDS Associates, FMC Technologies Incorporated, 
Acela Energy Group, Lidos, Energy Management Associates Incorporated, New Ecology Incorporated, Sane Engineering Associates Incorporated, and B2Q Associates. For more from Energy Matters to You, visit aeenewengland.org slash podcasts. For more information from the Association of Energy Engineers, New England Chapter, visit aeenewengland.org.